0: The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision.
1: My team, Kanda, Power. I love the power.
0: power, power. I love the power. power. G'day, everyone, and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. And joining me this evening is uh, the Queen interviewer herself, Portia. Hello. I still haven't slept. <laughs> I bet you haven't. Oh, that was—I've I've got to say—a massive congrats. Well done. That was a—that uh, was one of the most intriguing interviews I've heard in a long time with a with a uh, a football staffer. Um, and how great was it to have uh, our CEO come on and uh, spend an hour talking to us?
2: Look, it was really fantastic to do. It was really fantastic to get you know candid responses from Keith, and also it was really good of Rick to. To let me ask all those questions without <laughs> cutting me off and saying, Portia, shut up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, too true. But, um, yeah. no, it was wonderful. You, you did a great job. Uh, very jealous that I couldn't join. Um, but, yeah, hopefully that's, uh, that's the first of many this year or next year.
2: Well, who knows? Hopefully it'd be mm. good to speak to some of the other Port Adelaide uh, staff. And, yep. I don't know. Would... Players not so concerned.
0: Better yes. be all right. right no, That's all good. Um, have you recovered yet from uh, the delisting?
2: Of uh, O'Shea? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, it's you know, it's like, <laughs> it, I guess, if we're going to be morbid about it, it's kind of like when one of your grandparents ends up in the hospice. It's like, you know, it's going to come, and you just got to hang in there and enjoy the time that they're not, that <laughs> they're still around, and then when they're gone, it's like, oh, well, it was coming.
0: Yeah. I've had, yeah. goodbye my lover, goodbye my friend, in my head for like the last three days. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, such a shame.
2: Yeah, He
0: could have been so good, but uh, wasn't to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, look for, uh, I guess his assessment of where he was going to, what his AFL career was going to be like, that would have dramatically plummeted on draft day. And so for a guy drafted as late in the draft as he was, like to get 60 something AFL games, he's done, he's done all right, you know. From a personal performance point of view. And he's played in some pretty big games and come out okay. It's just Mm. the consistency wasn't there. So he's got a few highlights for his highlight reel for sure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I guess the other big news is Nathan Crack has been uh, promoted to the senior list. um, Yeah. Which I've been extremely critical of uh, for the last sort of six months or so. Uh, Your thoughts on that one?
2: Well, look, I mean, I think it was one of the um, possibilities we discussed earlier about, you know, musical chairs who goes who stays and with O'Shea going and Stuart going I mean yeah you can argue there's a place for like a 28 year old halfback flanker who has decent skills um which I guess is the one thing you could struggle to say about Stuart and O'Shea um I don't think he had a great 2016 and if you talk about sending messages to players I think that elevating a rookie after a season of football where they've sort of been yeah they've been in the side but you know, not really all that good.
1: Mm.
2: They're, they're okay. He, was, he contributed, but there were a lot of things missing from his game that were sort of, they were there the year before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <clears throat> I, I don't know, very mixed feelings. Um, if this was a result of pressure from Cracker's manager, I would have been pretty happy to let him tent, uh, test the market. Yeah, uh, and then sure. a could redraft if he was still available in our rookie selections.
0: Yeah, look, I would have been happy to keep him um, for a third year on the rookie list, and that would have been okay. But uh, anyway, I guess we'll see how he goes. Hopefully he doesn't sort of uh, get comfortable, and he sees this as a bit of a confidence boost um, that he might need to uh, get back to his best.
2: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, we don't know how long the promotion is for either. I mean, I guess he's old enough now that it probably is only a one-year contract. But I would think so, yeah. you th- you think so?
0: Yeah. Mm. Right, let's talk about uh, the draft. Uh, this week, and uh, later on this week, um, we are talking about uh, Vic Country, who uh, went into the championships um, as one of the favourites, and didn't win a game. Uh, what, what's your overriding thought of this uh, this group of players, Portia?
2: Um, they were missing a lot of bits and pieces, I guess, really. Yeah. Um, the, look, big country, like if you look at their players and you look through the list of players that they have, they, they're okay in certain important player types. Um, but I guess the reason why, you know, teams like South Australia did so well is they're really strong on player types that maybe aren't as desirable at AFL level, but at under eighteen 10 level, they're really guns, basically. Um, I think that's the, the story of opposites between those two in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of bigger midfielders, but as far as the flanks, I mean, I, the, I don't think the, the, the big country flanks are really all that amazing. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They've got a lot of big names, and I guess we're going to start talking about them now, and we'll get straight into it. And the first player uh, we're going to talk about is Will Brody, who plays for the Murray Bush Rangers. He's a 189 centimeter, 82 kilo inside midfielder. Uh, My player comparison would be someone like Josh Kennedy or Shane Tuck. Um, He's a really clean one grab inside mid, wonderful ability to read the ball off the hands of the Ruckman. Um, Strong in the tackle, keeps his arms free. Um, and is able to deliver um, some pretty effective handballs under pressure. Uh, kicking can be a little wayward at times, um, but look, he looks uh, pretty set to be um, a top 10 draft pick.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, if you're looking at players in this draft that are just absolute blue chip, I mean, he's right up there. Um, not just because of his form, but also, you know, he's a 189cm midfielder. Um, that's exactly what any club in the league right now is saying. If we can get a gun midfielder in this sort of... Build bracket, he's the guy. He's exactly on the mark there. He's he's the future of AFL, I guess, in the minds of a lot of recruiters right now. So um, if he's there at your pick, you take him, pretty much. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went for McGrath, possibly, um, just because he is so archetypally that. I don't know.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I don't think he's going to go above McGrath now. I think um, mm-hmm. just because GWS look well, they don't like need him as much. actually yeah. targeted him, um, and they've now got picked two. Um, and with McCluggage yeah, I mean, going pick one. Um,
2: well, they've already got a bunch of big mids anyway at GWS, so maybe that's part of it. Yeah,
0: absolutely as well. Um, look, he was named All-Australian. Look, He was uh, widely considered um, a number one draft pick uh, for much of the season. He, his stocks kind of fell a little late. Um, I'm not entirely too sure why that is. Um, I'm not sure if it was um, some wayward kicking in... Uh, in the grand final um, and, and all that sort of stuff. But um, look, he was widely considered um, right up the top of the tree uh, for pretty much all of this year. Uh, but at this stage, I, I would think he's probably looking at uh, somewhere between... Um, look, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go to Carlton at 5. And I think probably the okay. lowest he's going to go is 3 at 7.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd definitely put him in that bracket. Um, he, could, he could go earlier, like I said. But... Um, I guess the anything the thing about Brady is that like, for a guy being drafted at the half in the draft, I mean, I, there's still a bit of work to do for sure. Yeah. Um. There's for all of them, but like, I don't think he's one of those players that you say, oh yeah, he'll come straight in the side and be brilliant. Like, I think he's got stuff to work on. I think his disposal probably needs a bit to work. He's got a really good long kick though, and really good instincts, and the most important, he gets his hands on the ball pretty much yeah. as, as much as possible, so you can teach okay. the rest. But you got you do have to teach it, so yeah. that maybe that's why well, him going just a little bit lower. He's not quite an instant plug and play.
0: Yeah, I think um, depending where he goes, I, I do expect him to play quite a lot of footy in his first year. Mm. Probably a good mm. sort of ten, ten, twelve games, I would think. But uh, certainly from year two, he like he should uh, yeah. be a player that really starts to get into his own and should play some pretty um, exciting AFL footy, I think. And uh, yeah, look, if, if he ends up going a free hour at seven, I think uh, they'd be pretty happy with that sort of uh, David Mundy replacement, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, as a player like David Mundy, I think I rate him a little bit more as an outside player than I probably would Brody. I think Brody, yeah. like Brody, I don't think he's. He doesn't have the blistering pace. He's good enough. Nah. But, and if, and if he's part of general play, like, you know, if the ball's coming from half back and going forward, like, you don't ignore him. You kick to him for sure. But yep. he's not the guy that's going to burn other people off um, in a close contest. But that's okay. He's yeah. excellent in close, so he doesn't need to be.
0: I feel he's a safe pick. Like, he's a safe footballer. He, he takes yep. safe options with the bowl. He just knows what to do. Um, yeah, I really like him. I think he's going to be a very influential AFL player. And, uh, look, if he falls to pick nine, where we were. Um, That'll be a shame. A shitty run. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a big shame. Yeah, but I, I don't that... think it'll happen.
2: No, I don't think so either.
0: Mm. Mm. Uh, next player is uh, kind of similar, which is a uh, Joe Atley from uh, from Bendigo Pioneers. Um, played, uh, sorry, he's one hundred and eighty-six centimeters, eighty-four kilo inside midfielder. My player comparison would be uh, someone like Nathan Jones. Uh, he's very tough. He's got a, a ready-to-play AFL body. Um, He's, he's very strong. He's got a brutal attack at the ball. Um, I thought he had a pretty good um, underrated championships. Didn't get, um, you know, probably didn't do a hell of a lot, but he still averaged, um, you know, 20 touches a game. Um, and look, he's had a really good year in the TAC Cup. Uh, averaged 21 disposals and six and a half tackles a game. He's got great pace, uh, really good skills. Um, he's one of my absolute favorites of this draft pool.
2: Yeah, me too. Um and what that means to me is not that I think he's, you know, going to get drafted early, but that I have to be careful not to overrate him. Um he, he's 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 a really smart footballer. Um there were some criticisms about times that, you know, you think he might get involved a bit more, but I think like he's he's a younger brother of Sean Atley at North Melbourne. Um and I kind of wonder if there's a bit of younger brother syndrome there in that he's used to playing a secondary like being the secondary person. So if he's told to play at the big country championships, you know, you're the, you're not, you know, McCluggage is the main guy and you're the second. Yeah. I don't think he's going to fight for it. I think he's just going to do what he can in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, really that's kind of the cornerstone of good team players, having players that are willing to do that. So maybe that's actually a good thing. He's still getting his possessions up. He's still being really useful. And when it's time for him to go and be the one that does compete against a bunch of other players, I mean, he does it. Like there's one favorite in the allies game, big um, country versus allies in the first quarter, he gets a free against. But he does beat four allies players to win the ball in the first quarter um, and yeah. when it's a loose ball you know he, he'll get in there he will contest when it's on him um and I think that's what you need to ask for in a like a, a guy who maybe is your second option in midfield is to be the one that can step up and I think he can um he's got enough he's got the right height and the right build he already knows what professional football is about again because of his older brother um I get the Josh feels when I was watching him under 18s in um, yeah, the good Josh call. Yeah. yeah, I mean Josh Carr was a bit smaller, but he was really good at reading the play and understanding what was going on. And I feel the same thing about Joe Like there's just something there. He's not physically going to be. He's not physically superior to a whole bunch of players in this one, but he just seems to know the game, and I'm really stoked about that. I would find it really hard not to draft him with one with, with pick 17 if he's there, but I might be wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, what do you see his draft range being? Because I don't know. I, he's I don't someone know. Someone that hasn't had a lot of press. Um, yeah. you know, no one's really sort of brought up his name as sort of first round, you know, potential, but I don't know. There, there's a lot of things I really like about Joe Attlee and I, th- I would certainly be pretty happy if we picked him with pick 17. I think um, certainly if he's there with 30 or 31 and there, there is a chance that he will be there. Mm. Um, if we don't pick him there, I'll be pretty disappointed. Because I, yeah. I, I think in terms of how he fits for Port Adelaide, he is... Pretty well, exactly what we are after at the moment.
2: Yeah, I, I did watch um, a little clip of video where he's on Future Stars, and apparently he was a Brisbane Lions fan when he was a kid, which is um That's interesting. <laughs> well, it, it's it's unfortunate in a way because they've got better picks to draft where I think he might go than we do. So yeah. you know, if they don't, if they're not forced to make early bids on some things, he will probably end up there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like him a lot, and if he ends up at Port, I'll be really, really stoked. But we could, I could be overrating him enormously. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, look, I, I really like him. I think um, he's got definite AFL potential, definite AFL mm. midfield potential. I think he'll start on a back flank. He uh, can also play on a forward flank as well. Kicks goals. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, I would, uh, if... I'm CEO I would... for the uh, Draft Joe Attlee uh, fan club, I think.
2: Okay. Well, look, <laughs> I mean, I guess my only disagreement with that is that I would rather see him play on a forward flank because I think... He's showing a tendency right now, and it's only a tendency right now, to be willing to let others go in first. So mm-hmm. I think a halfback role wouldn't be great for him in that respect. I would like to okay. see him. Yep. I would like to see him grow into accepting the responsibility for being the one driving it. I think that's what he needs in his game. Um, so I would definitely play him half forward if I'm playing him in a non midfield role.
0: For sure. Uh, the next player is someone that's uh, been talked about at length on our boards all year, and that's uh, Josh Battle, um, who's from Dandronom mm. Stingrays. Uh, 192 centimetre, 90 kilo key forward uh, player comparison. It's pretty hard to uh, go past Jack Darling. Um, he's got that undersized key forward thing going on. Uh, got really good endurance. Um, had, I think, the best um, 3 kilometre time trial of any of the AIS players kids um, at the start of the year um, did had a pretty good result um, at the combine as well uh, really poor in the, in the agility and sprint tests which is a worry um, but look he's a he's a really strong lead-up mark he runs a lot uh, he's got a really good kick for goal he's a burst player um, you know, he's, he's definitely an impact play I think he kicked uh, four goals in eight minutes uh, in the first championships game Um there's a lot to like about Josh Battle, but there's also um, a hell of a lot of clear, uh, queries about him as well.
2: Yeah, I'm really not sure about Josh Battle. Um, I guess as a junior, he reminds me a little bit of Scott Gumbleton, but he's obviously a bit smaller. Um, I think the comparison to Jack Darling, if you think about Jack Darling as a junior, like Darling had this urgency to his game that I'm not, I haven't quite seen with Battle um, and whether that's because like that's a difference in fitness level or, or whatever else, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where this um, comparative stats are, but I, I really don't know what to. I don't really don't know what to make of him. And he's just a little bit under height to be like a genuine key position forward, which means yeah. he's probably he's probably going for a third forward type role. And for that, maybe he doesn't. If he's low on the sprints, then that's really bad because if you're that third tour forward, like you've got to be really good at breaking away from your opponent because you're usually not operating in heaps of space. Yeah. Um, that's a concern. Like there's a lot of lot of the things about his combination of attributes that are concerning, um, but the fact that he's getting on the scoreboard makes it really kind of hard to judge. Yeah,
0: um, he does kick a lot of goals. He kicked 24 goals in eight uh, TAC Cup games. Um, he also kicked 11 goals at the championship, so he, he certainly does hit the scoreboard. Um, mm. I guess my main issue with him is, um, well, there's there's a few. I guess uh, the first is that um, he had the lowest. Like, he was last in the repeat spirits at the combine. Yeah. Which, um, for the role that he's likely to play at AFL level, which I guess it's is... Terrible. Well, yeah, it's not good. Um, uh, also, the fact that he does go missing for large periods of games. And for someone with his endurance advantage, I don't think that's good enough. I, don't, I think he needs to be quite a bit smarter in, in where he runs, his, his leading patterns. Um, he needs to get involved further up the field um, a hell of a lot more than what he actually does.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess if we're looking at a draft range, I would be like, I, I, my, my preference on draft day is that we don't pick him at 14 or 17 and then we snap our fingers and go, oh, gee, he's not available before our next pick because I don't want to have to make that call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: He's an interesting I, one to rate because I think I feel yeah. a lot of people on big footy. 40- might be overrating him, might be thinking he's oh, yeah, a definite sure. first-round pick, but I, do, I really don't think he actually is. And I can definitely see him falling um, through to that sort of 25 to 50 draft range um, just because of that uh, query over his pace, um, query over his size. And look, it might have turned out for Jack Darling, but there's plenty of um, you know 192 centimeter key forwards that it didn't work out for. Darcy Hurigan's probably a, a key example there, who was... Um, mm a very good South Australian player a few years back, uh, was All-Australian at the National Championships and actually went undrafted uh, through both drafts. Um, I expect him to be drafted. I think it's likely to be sort of late second round pick, I, I would think. Um, and if that's the case, then I think he certainly uh, might come under consideration from Port Adelaide.
2: Yeah, I I kind of feel like... Um... In the the thread from last night's podcast, we were discussing Michael Regan, who is our um, list analyst and innovation manager. And um, uh, REH posted up a link to a thing you talked about, um, talking about um, how you want to recruit for things that you can improve.
1: Yeah.
2: I kind of feel like he just doesn't have – like if you're talking about him or Marshall, for example – um, Marshall every day because he's got that really good separation. He's got that really good sprint. and He's got that little bit more follow up than Battle does. Yeah. Um. I just think you'd have to work so hard to introduce the athleticism he needs in that game in his game to become that third tall forward. Yeah. Um. And then there's this the fallback thing. Like if he's if he's not that third tall lead up forward, what position does he play? You know. Um. He, nowadays. A guy with his physical attributes, ignoring the, the speed and stuff, like you'd almost be thinking he might actually be better off trying to be an inside midfielder. Yeah. Um, but then, if that's not happening, then is that an endurance issue? Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many big questions on his role in a future, like in a in a five years time AFL side. I, I'm not sure he there's room for him in one, frankly.
0: Yeah, I guess that there are a lot of his type in the AFL in terms of Tom Lynch, Jack Darling, Stuart Uh, Crammery. There's a few really good examples of of good players that play his style of footy, but they're all pretty quick off the mark. They all have great uh, repeat leading patterns um, and all that sort of thing. They can play through the midfield a little bit as well. Um, Whereas, yeah, I mean, that's... Probably the one big query about Josh Battle, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, whether he does land at Port Adelaide, I think depends on what we actually do with our first batch of picks. If we actually do pick Todd Marshall, I don't think there's any chance at all that we'll get Josh Battle. If we miss out on Marshall, um, I guess he's got to probably come into consideration.
2: No, I don't think they're in the. I, I don't think they're in the same drafting strategy. I think that if you're going for Marshall, then you you're more likely to go for for faster types um, and lighter athletic types. Like, if that's your strategy, you should stick with it. In the in a draft where we've got four picks, I think we need to make that a thing that we actually become. Yeah. So if your fallback for Marshall is battle, I think that we don't know what we're trying to achieve.
0: The reason why I think it's the fallback for Marshall is I think it's... He's probably still the second best key forward in this draft. They're
2: um, so different.
0: They are very, very... Oh, I'm not... Trying to say that they're uh, comparable in any way. They are completely different footballers. Yeah, but, um, yeah I don't know. Look, I've i been saying for two years, like we need someone that can play that sort of third-toll forward. Um, and if Josh Battle comes on, and best-case scenario, he actually does that, that'd be wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's enough queries there that uh, I'd be happy to overlook him.
2: I'd be pretty clean to overlook him.
0: Right, next uh, player on the list is Sean Darcy, who is a uh, 201-centimetre man-mountain from uh, the Geelong Fountains. uh, Fountains? Falcons. Um, (laughs) Geelong Fountains, that's great. Uh, Player comparison would be someone like Will Minson. Um, I guess there's clear comparisons to uh, Mumford as well, just purely because of his weight. He's 110 kilos. I think he had the the worst uh, skin folds ever tested at uh, the Draft Combine, which is probably not a record that you want.
2: He reminds me of Jolly, that um, played for Sydney and Collingwood um, and Melbourne. Um, but with 50 they, extra kilos. Yeah. Look, he's a big kid, and you, you sort of think, you know, go, oh, God, that's a high weight, but it, it literally is all puffy fat. Um, and, it doesn't, and the most important thing is it doesn't... Like, it affects his game, obviously, to some extent, but it doesn't seem to affect it too much. Yeah. So that puts him in the category of You know, we're always wondering who's going to be the next Dean Cox. And he's in that category where I'm sort of thinking maybe if he works that off and he replaces it with lean muscle, because his tap work is good. It's a huge call. But, you know, we're talking about a guy like Dean Cox, who's likely to be developed on a rookie list, Mm. in my view. Uh, And so it's a huge call, you know, to say that he would definitely be that. I don't think he would definitely be that. But if you're looking for a guy that might be that, I think he's sort of in that category. I think that his deficiencies are correctable. And I think that his upside is showing already. I think he's already shown a bit of upside as a ruckman. It's just a matter of whether he can turn fat into fitness. That's a huge yeah. ask.
0: That's, but if he can, that's the then he could query. be excellent. Yeah, that, that is the query with Sean Darcy, because his actual ruck work is phenomenal. Mm. Like He is by far the best tap ruckman in this draft, I think, yeah. by an absolute yeah. mile. Um, his ability to direct taps is... Um, He's like no other in this draft. I think he's uh, he's got actually pretty good skills. I like his kicking ability. I, I, I really right. like his handball skills. Um, he could be a very, very damaging player if he does lose the weight. I guess the query is, can he lose the weight? Can he get fit? Is he determined enough to do that? Can he become a 201-centimetre, 100-kilo ruck uh, of pure muscle? If he does, he's going to dominate. Um, if he doesn't, well, probably not.
2: I'd almost think of it like if we rookie listed him. I'd almost think of it as a test for Burgess, like let's see yeah. how good you are. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. um, you know I think we're at the point where we might even sort of be thinking, you know, eh, you're doing all right, but look, let's see how you go because this is a good this is a good project for to see how you can condition a player from a long way back because mm. I, I, in theory it, it should be a perfect test, yeah. It should be like the perfect block of marble for a fitness guy to sculpt um, because the football's there. So, I um, don't know. it would be interesting to see where he goes, if he goes. Yeah. And I wouldn't be against him ending up on our rookie list, like I said.
0: Well, if, if Geelong picked um, bloody uh, Shane Mumford, who was like 120 kilos when he was drafted. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think um, there's a fair chance that Sean will find his way onto an AFL list and might uh, have to wait until the rookie draft. I think so. Um, but look, if he found his way at Port Adelaide, I'd be pretty happy with that, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's a longer-term prospect, which is why you definitely only want to take him on the rookie list. Like, he'd probably be two, three years away from AFL. Um, but the potential's there. The potential's definitely there, Yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. We've got a couple of questions on the uh, Spreaky Chat. Thanks for everyone who's uh, listening live at the moment. Uh, Scott Kent Collins has asked, who would work better with Dixon, Battle or Marshall?
2: Um, Marshall, because he's offering something different. Um, so Dixon is offering like, I'm just going to run in a straight line and you can try and stop me. Um, I think that's what battle would like to do, but I don't think he's got the same build to do it with. Whereas Marshall offers an alternate like, Hey, I was just standing here, but now I'm 20 meters away, which is pretty, you know, that's a really good uh, counterpart to a Dixon. Dixon's the obvious foil. And then Marshall, you don't, if you're not paying attention, he'll end up somewhere you weren't expecting. Um, and if we learn to play to that, like that would work really well with us.
0: For sure, And Bevan has also asked uh, Lynch is going to be the new Cox. Don't you think, Porsche? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll come back in three years and, uh, and debate this one. We'll see where he okay. goes. I have to say, though, uh, it, there, it, is, it is a bit of a concern that he didn't get nominated by uh, GWS.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I think that I don't think his tap works as good as Darcy, for example. Yeah. Um, and I think that He's, he looks like an excited puppy when he's near the ball but not actually doing it doesn't actually do anything whereas Darcy gets in there yeah um I <laughs> you know it it's a couple of for a guy who's probably would be on the fringes if he had those things right like Sean Darcy you know I'm comparing him to a guy that we're talking about yeah maybe rookie list
0: yep. uh,
2: and the rookie list guy that we're talking about is clearly better yeah I don't think he's going to be get drafted
0: yeah I might have to concede defeat on this one unfortunately well
2: I wouldn't concede defeat until the rookie draft. You're just hanging there. Who knows? Richmond might surprise us all.
0: You know, <laughs> you, never, you never know. <laughs> well, if they can give uh, Ivan Marich, who can barely walk uh, a two year deal, then uh, anything's uh, possible, I think.
2: Who knows? Hmm.
0: Right. Next player is uh, Harry Morrison uh, from the Murray Bush Rangers. He's 182 centimetres, 77 kilo outside mid or a halfback flank. I reckon he plays a lot like Zach Tui. Um, I think he has uh, he's a player that really influences the play. He's got a lovely kick on him. Uh, can also play up on a wing. Uh, loves to play as that sort of intercept across the back line um, and, and really helps set up the play. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Harry?
2: Um, as far as his play, I'm not really going to comment on that because there's just some really big inhibitors for me. Mm. Um, the main one is the injury history. So he did an yeah. ACL. But he's also had back injuries and ankle injury, yeah. um, which if for a small defender, like he's 182 centimetres, he's quite light. It seems like he's already breaking down with the demands of the game. That's what it reads like. Yeah. Um. And for a small, like if your upside is that you're just going to get an okay small defender out of it, like I don't think he's worth the risk. You yeah. can just draft a small defender that hasn't had injury history that you can judge properly. Yeah.
0: I I see his future more in the midfield, like on a wing um, or playing sort of a a little bit outside. Uh, It is a a big concern, though, to have done an ACL already, back problems, all that sort of stuff. Um, But look, I I think the talent's definitely there. Um, I can see him going as high as 30. Uh, He might fall pretty late as well. Uh, The thing I really like about him is that um, he does read the play exceptionally well. Um, and he is a very strong one on one player. Uh, they're probably the two things that uh, I, I really do like about him.
2: Yeah, uh, like I said, I don't really want to comment on him as a player. Um, I, I think that he's just, for a Port Adelaide point of view, and probably from a lot of clubs' point of view, I, I just think the risk factor is too high to really consider. Yep.
0: No, that's fair. Uh, next player is Miles Paholke uh, from Dandenong Stingrays, uh, who's 184 centimetres, 84 kilo, um, outside, inside, mid. Um, Play comparison would be someone like Josh Caddy or Jack Crisp from Collingwood. Uh, Really strong, ready to play, uh, big-bodied mid. Uh, Can play outside or inside. Really nice right foot kick. Um, Is dual-sided. His left foot is very, very good as well. He's a hard tackler. He wins clearances. He kicks a lot of goals. He kicked 12 goals in 13 Tac Cup games this year. Um, And had a pretty good championships for uh, Vic Country as well.
2: He's a guy that... If we pick him, I only have one very specific kind of role in place for him because I don't agree with him. I don't agree with you so much on the outside play. I think he's a bit iffy there. Um, I think he does a bit of Kane Cornsy sort of calling for an option when he's not really in a really great of position. Um, but when he's in the contest, he's really good, and he'll take hits. That's what's really good about it. You know, he takes he takes hits. You go through, watch a couple of his games. He takes big mm. hits, and he just keeps coming up and going again. Oh, uh, he's, got that, he's got that t-shirt <laughs> on the attitude, which is really, he really what you Really
0: got wanted. knocked out cold uh, in the last game, which started an all-in brawl. Um, I'm not mm. sure that's actually up on YouTube yet. <laughs> okay, um, but it, it is one of the <laughs> like, he caught one of the biggest dirtiest bumps you're ever going to see. Yeah, and he got straight back up.
2: Yeah, and so okay. look, I mean, there's a lot. If you're, if you know, if you don't want to think too much about the draft stuff, and you just want to, if you see Port Adelaide drafts him, I think you're going to be pretty pleased with him. Um, yeah. But I, I just think he, like, if he has to be, he has to be in the guts. He really has to be in the guts, um, because I think that's where his excellence shines out. And I think as soon as he gets pulled away from that, I don't think he's as good. Which for me, I think, lowers him in the draft order. Um, yeah, I think I hate to say it, but he could end up being like a niggler um just sort of the guy that gets in the opposition midfielder space like it's sort of like a tagger but he can actually win the ball um yeah. but I think that's sort of the role you're looking at there with him um I don't know Levi Greenwood type maybe
0: yeah no that's a good call yep yeah yep um where do you see his sort of range sitting on draft day
2: um for Port Adelaide 30 or 31 uh and then he'll probably be gone by our uh, pick 85 or whatever it is so yeah. um if we want him we'll, I reckon we'll be able to get him but yeah. I don't know.
0: Look, he's got a good pedigree. He's an AIS kid, um, played some really good footy for Vic Country. I see, like, he's another one that's sort of flown under the radar a bit this year, I think. Yeah. Um, I think his, uh, his performance probably outweighs um, kind of his, his draft ranking. I, I think he's probably going to sit somewhere between 25 and 50. Yeah. Um, if he's there at our two picks and we pick him, I would certainly be pretty happy. I think he's he's certainly a player that's on my radar with those two picks.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things I did in preparation for this and that I've done in preparation for all the others is I've watched the little highlight things on um, YouTube just to refresh my memory. Um, and if you go through, like, the Vic Country ones, you'll hear Paholki in a lot of other people's highlights. Yeah. Um, he is a good team player, uh, and when he's in close... Um, and he calls for it. Like, he does do good things with it. I just think that when he's a little bit further away from it, that he sort of still takes that first option, which can be quite predictable. But in the midfield, right in the guts, he's doing really good things. So uh, I wouldn't be against us drafting him. He's he's in my yellow category. I've got a red, yellow, green, and he's yellow for me. Okay, yeah.
0: So yeah. one to watch, one to keep an eye out on. For sure. Uh, next player, also one to keep an eye on, is uh, Cedric Cox from North Ballarat. He's a 184cm, 78kg halfback flanker. Player comparison would be someone like Chris Yaron. Uh, he's a very quick back flanker, uses his pace and agility to rebound um, off the back line. Um, actually, comes from country uh, WA um, and for some reason made the 4,000km uh, the trek from Halls Creek to uh, Victoria. Uh, quickly worked his way up into uh, North uh, Ballarat's uh, TAC Cup side this year. Um, and it's just um, grown and grown and his draft stocks have risen uh, dramatically uh, to the point that he's now thought of um, very much as a, a likely first-round pick. Really? Yep.
2: I don't know. Like, he's a good user of the ball, for sure. Um, and he seems to have a lot of time when he gets the ball, but he also seems to play pretty loose. I guess for a team looking for someone really outside to just do that role and not screw it up, I think he'd probably be a good pick. Um I don't know. I, I'm not thrilled about
0: him. <laughs> I really I I like his potential. I think the potential's there. I think he's very much a raw player yeah. at the moment. He hasn't gone through the traditional sort of um you know junior pathways. Uh he, he's very new uh to this sort of system. Um he he's probably got a lot of growing up to do um in terms yeah. of his his football now and all that sort of thing. Uh he's very much a sort of seabowl run with it um, and see what you can do but uh, look, I think that sort of player uh, is likely to go pretty high, um, just because if if he does uh, develop um, and does reach his potential, he could be a top ten player out of this draft.
2: Yeah, I think I think he'll be attractive to certain types of clubs over others. I think he's the sort of player that, like, if you're doing a rebuild right now, like if you're Fremantle, you definitely want him. I reckon yeah um we, we there's a lot of room for them to develop and get better with the side mm-hmm. um but if you're looking for like a, a plug and play guy that you know, there's, there's a lot to do really there's a lot to do I don't think I don't think he'll appeal to sides on the rise I guess is the category I'm saying I, I'm not so sure he'd be a good fit for yeah. um because they probably have those sort of roles that he would play a lockdown because they're on the rise um, but he might be an appealing guy to a team like Hawthorne, but they don't have a pick early so I don't know I don't know mm. it's hard to place him. I, at any of our picks there are other players that I'd probably be keener on
0: yeah I would too but I think um, if he's there with our second batch of picks I think he might come under consideration uh, I think that sort of pace and sort of creativity and takes the game on that sort of thing uh, is something that we, we kind of like um, and if he's there with 30 or 31 uh, again he's someone that would be a chance of going at those two picks yeah
2: I hope not <laughs> well he's just not I don't I don't think I just don't think he's an uh, I think we can do more useful things to our side than to draft him
0: yeah another back flanker is probably uh, low on the uh, priority list
2: unless Uh, they have something else that's exceptional or that or they can play a second role that you're pretty confident they can do like that's sort of the thing like if if, if it's half back flanker can play center square midfield any two years time, but they're just building out. Like that's probably yep. we might do that, yep. but looks like being outside player for all of career. Not sure that's really on our list.
0: Mm. Well, speaking of which, is uh, Alex Witherden, also from Geelong yeah. Falcons, um, who's a 186 centimetre, 80 kilo back flank or outside mid. Uh, play comparison, uh, he, he's related to guys like uh, Luke Hodge or Brennan Goddard. Uh, he's a very confident uh, quarterback style back flanker who can also go through the midfield. Broke his leg early in the season, only played the two games this year. Um, obviously, missed the rest of the season. Um, but look, he's, he's a player that was very highly rated as a 17 year old. Um, and if he played most of the year, I think the general consensus is that he would have been a top 10 pick.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I guess if I'm going to be pragmatic. We kept Hartlett, so we've got three or four years to draft another one. Um, and that's probably – he's like he's he's a defender that likes sort of directing the play a little bit. That's okay. Um, the injury concerns me. The need is not really there in my view. I, again, I think that another club will probably have a crack at him. Um, and it might be like a, a club that's sort of maybe slightly on the decline. So Geelong or someone like that would probably have a go, I'd reckon. Um yeah. I'm not sure that he's, I don't I don't think he's on our list and I'd be a little bit worried if he was um, just because of the injury and the fact that, you know, not only does it make him harder to assess, but it also means he's had an injury um, <laughs> that's quite severe.
0: But it's also only a broken leg. Like, yeah, it's much easier. Say only, like, yeah. I would feel more confident picking someone with a broken leg uh, or who's had that a broken leg, been, sorry, yeah. than someone like Hamish Hartlett who's, you know, done five shoulders and seven hamstrings. That's true.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's not terrible, but I mean, I would have liked, I would want to, for a role that was not an essential role in our side right now, I would want to see more exposed form, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, um, look, obviously players that miss the majority of their draft year are are hard to rate, really, really hard to rate, especially considering, um, you know, we we haven't really seen much of what he can do. Uh, Not a lot of vision out there for him at all. Um, But look, someone that, can use the ball exceptionally well, I think is definitely someone that um, we would look at drafting. And I think um, you know, if he's there, which he should be with 14 or 17, um, I'm almost half expecting us to call his name out.
2: I really hope not, because if you look through our list of players that we've drafted with injuries in the year that I drafted, like, it's not a great list. The only successful one I can think of is Jackson Trengove. Um yeah. John Butcher. classic but We do of it, the a, <laughs> we do it a hell of a it, lot. Exactly, we do it a lot and it's only paid off once that I can think of. Um, mm. So I'm really averse to those sort of decisions right now, personally.
0: Yeah. Ben Newton wasn't a successful col Porsche, or? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. Wade Chapman, maybe? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said, Trend goes to anyone. So yeah. Salopec, he was injured the year after him. Um, yeah. Mm.
0: It's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Um, yeah, again, he's uh, he certainly one to uh, keep an eye out on because uh, we could well land him. Um, last player is uh, Jared Corrifut from uh, the Dandenong Stingrays. He's a 192cm, 81kg key defender, or I guess a 3rd tall defender, really. Um, plays a lot like Michael Johnson. Very aggressive. Uh, likes to run off his opponent and create. Uh, he's got really good pace, good attacking instincts. Uh, he's pretty composed with the ball. He's got the worst haircut I've ever seen in my life, yeah. um, and his defensive work needs to uh, improve a little bit as well. But not uh, not as much as his haircut.
2: Yeah, his haircut. It's funny. Like if you cut off the long bit, he's just basically a Jacob Ellison clone. Yeah. Um, they look they look almost the same. I'm um, not I'm not a Caraba fan. Um, I, I just don't think he does enough defensively to merit the, what he does. He's pretty keen to call for it when the ball's in the area and he's pretty he's okay at getting it forward. He's got a good long kick and that's really good for threatening the opposition so they have to spread their zone a little bit and all that sort of thing. Yep. Um, for me, he plays like a, a, a guy who was being groomed to be a midfielder but he got too big and slowed down because of it. I, I, yeah. I kind of feel that's where he's at. Um, like I don't think he's for a guy that you'd have to say is kind of one way. I don't think he's fast enough or agile enough to justify it yep. um, at AFL level. So yep. I'm not not keen. He's a red for me.
0: I don't mind him. Like I think he would be a really good fit at uh, at state level. Like he'd be oh, a yeah. really really good SAFL or VFL player. Um, mm. I can see him getting drafted sort of late or with a rookie piss, uh rookie pick, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and, and being the type of player that doesn't play a game for three years and then sort of yep. plays 100 games from sort of like year four onwards sort of thing. Um, I think he's someone that's going to take a, a long time to develop that sort of defensive nous that he needs. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly don't really expect him to be picked uh, in the national draft. I think he sits more likely as a as a rookie pick and not probably someone that um, I would expect Port to be interested in.
2: No, I don't think we'll be interested in him in any way, frankly. At any pick,
0: yeah. Get a haircut, son. Uh, right, <laughs> on to our questions. Um, okay. The Beard Amigos has asked uh, if you had pick one and were the head recruiter at Port Adelaide, uh, McGraw or McCluggage, and why?
2: <sighs> Is it in addition to all of the picks we currently have? Because if so, I'm just going to say fuck it and go Brody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Come yeah, on, look, you got I pick mean, one. What do you want to do? No,
2: Are am going to go I mean, with Brody? The safe, the safe bet is to go with McCluggage, let's face it. Um, I think there's a reason why he's being spoken about at number one. I think McGrath might have a bit more class to him, but if you just want a guy who you'd be able to slot in pretty much straight away and contribute, which we kind of do, given the way we're sort of um, running our off-season, we really do want that guy that can just come in and add that little bit extra, um, then you'd probably go McCluggage. But I reckon there's more exciting options available. So
0: I'm going to disagree with you. You there, and say that uh, if we wanted someone to play, sort of round one next year yeah. and play twenty-two games, I'd say McGrath's more likely to do that.
2: Yeah, oh, I reckon. Okay,
0: yeah. I think he's got a ready-to-go body, um, mm. and the type of role that he's probably going to play um, will be more suited to playing sort of straight away. I think McLuggage, he needs to put on sort of five or six kilos. I guess we'll talk about him. I think next week we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah,
2: oh, well, Thursday <clears> is no.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Thursday. Um, yep. it's, it's a hard call. It's a really hard call. All year I've been really big on McCluggage. I think he's one of the best juniors. He's, he's probably had the best junior year I can remember anyone having. Um, ah,
2: you don't grunt. remember Travis Johnstone.
0: <laughs> yeah. He was pretty good. He was pretty yeah. good. I'll, I'll give you and that And Brennan one.
2: Goddard. Brennan Goddard too.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why these guys were pick one, you know? Yeah, really? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, McGrath, well, look, he's had a bloody great year as well, and you know has played a number of different roles and succeeded in all of them. So it's it's certainly a, a tough pick, a tougher pick than what um, it sort of looks like being. I would think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a reason why GWS are particularly keen on McGrath, um, and that is because in their side he will slot in pretty easily. Um, yeah. There's no doubt; like he'll be, he'd probably be a round one player almost. Um, he fits a niche that they don't that they haven't bothered to recruit because they've been too busy drafting big midfielders, and now they're like, "Oh well, we can afford to spend an early pick on this very specific role. Mm. Let's get the good one. Let's get the best one we can." So yep. they've done that, For or sure. they will do that.
0: Mm. Uh, Sleazy has asked uh, which club has the best recruitment team and why.
2: Um, I still like the Crows for being really solid about continuing to draft tour players. Yep. Um, I think there have been missteps along the way in terms of contract. So I don't know if that's list management. That's probably more list management than recruiting. <clears> but I think the recruiting has generally been pretty decent and they've recruited to build a list in a very specific way, which is good to see a club have that kind of discipline when they're recruiting.
0: No, I think the crows do a very good job as well they They seem to mm. get a lot of players from rookie picks as well um you know I guess their their net is quite vast they they seem to get a lot of players from sort of alternate pathways
1: mm.
0: Mm. um so they certainly do a good job there uh i I would have to say right now though it's got to be the dogs for me simon Dalrymple and, and Jason McCartney. I think they've done a a wonderful job obviously um in building that list. Um, and, and winning a premiership with, with such a young side and also with not too many top-end picks either. Like, a lot of people sort of point to guys like Stringer and McCrae and, and Bontempelli but you know they've probably had the least amount of first-round picks win a premiership in a very, very long time. And you know they get a lot of value from late picks, a lot of value from rookie picks, guys like uh, Picken and Dalhouse and Joe Hannison, um, others like Dixon Wood, um, Daniel... Uh, They're all late national draft picks as well. Um, And certainly in terms of of uh, trading, uh, I think they've targeted some really interesting players um, and done a very good job at doing it.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to really disagree with you. I think that if we're talking purely recruitment, I still lean a little bit towards the Crows. I think that the Bulldogs have got a lot of other really good things going their way. Um, Yeah, I don't know.
0: I'd also um, give a um, shout out to Sydney. I think Kinnear Beetson's the the manager there. I could be wrong, but yeah, I yeah. think uh, you know Sydney are, are also a team that um, finds a lot of players from the rookie draft, True. Um, and not necessarily players that are linked through New South Wales. Either guys like Jake Lloyd, who played in Victoria, um, you know he's he's had a couple of really good seasons. Um, Dane Rampey as well is another one that um, sort of no one had ever heard yeah, of. Right. Um, now he's an all Australian. Yeah, uh, you know, they get a lot of. Uh, Value from guys like that.
2: Yeah, they know how to use the rookie list and the late picks, uh, and that's on. They do the opposite of what we do. Yeah,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Uh, Sleazy has also asked the question: Does Wells deserve his reputation as recruitment guru given his recent track record?
2: His recent track record. He's been working with
0: table scraps, so yeah. Yeah.
2: He's got. He's not had any work
0: with Rose Draft. It's before. horses for courses, really. Like, um, I think if you win three flags and make four grand finals in five years or whatever it was, you can. Yeah. Uh, you know, your record speaks for itself, really. But um, you know, the AFL is set up as a, an equalised system with the draft. Um, so if you if you're good enough to go on that sort of premiership run, it, you're going to expect the cliff to come at some point because you're not going to have any great picks. Um, I think a lot of people were expecting their next batch of guys to be really, really good as well, like like nah. Duncan and Christensen, Hunt, Hall and Smith, that sort of batch nah. that sort of were just at the back end of that. And, and outside of Duncan, they've all probably failed, I would say, and half of them aren't there anymore either.
2: But there's not a heap of high picks in that number either.
0: No, there's not, no. But I, I guess that was part of the uh, the reputation of Wells was that um, you know he was getting value out of those sort of second and third round picks, but... Um, they haven't had good picks for years. Um, no. no. And, and they've pretty much traded out of the last three drafts as well. So, um, look, it's hard to say, but as I said, you know, three flags, four grand finals, you know, write your own ticket, basically.
2: And, and also, I mean, even with the, the the fact they've had pretty ordinary picks, like they're still sticking with their midfield, big midfielder strategy that they started, what, almost 20 years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> You know, yeah. it's been going for a long time that they've been targeting a very specific okay. kind of player and they're still doing it pretty reliably. Um, probably a bit of the gloss has been taken off and it's probably made it a bit harder in that GWS have basically stolen the strategy completely. Um, and that's obviously when GWS are picking all those players, Joe sure can't, uh, and they haven't even bothered trying because GWS has just been doing it. So maybe we'll see it with GWS being having a bit more of a settled side, obviously. Maybe they'll lean on that a little bit less. We're seeing that a beginner, I guess, already with the talk about McGrath. Um, right. And that maybe this means Geelong will be able to be more in a position to be saying, hey, let's keep our draft picks and mm. stick with the plan and rebuild.
0: For sure. Uh, Zach Wild has asked, uh, is this the most exciting draft crop in a long time?
2: Um, for Port fans, it is because we've got four picks in the top 30, whatever it is. So, yeah.
0: I'm going to say yes it is. I think this is the most even draft pool for a good sort of four or five years. Um, Probably actually before um, Gold Coast's first draft as well. Um,
2: I kind of feel like that's why though. Like I mean I would have been so excited about the the big GWS draft if we'd had picks in
0: it if, if <laughs> anyone know? had picks in it yeah yeah um, like I think <laughs> they I think, haven't I already think... cherry picked the best sort of 10 players from the year before exactly anyway. yeah
2: you know um, like those, look, if this... you could look at that as a draft year that was pretty exciting really yeah
0: oh for sure um i think this draft runs really deep uh, i think there's going to be really good value picks in the second and third rounds and and even some surprises from the rookie draft as well um i think i said a few weeks ago, that this is probably my favourite draft pool since two thousand and eight, and I think I stand by that. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: look, it's it's all right. Um, I think it's got a lot in common with two thousand and eight in that there's not as many sort of like dead set locks. I think yeah. that's what makes it more even.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree generally. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, Portmanteau has asked a uh, gut feel for pick fourteen at this stage.
2: Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm still trying to get a handle on what we're thinking. It's, it's um,
0: tough. I, I keep going back to the comment that um, the player we... You know, exactly, we're right. We're going to draft at 9 Is we still expect it like to be there at 14. Because,
2: and... I mean, for me, for me that rules out Logan Marshall because I think they're both players that you could expect to maybe be top 10. Um yeah. So then, it's maybe it's not at all. Maybe it is someone like an Oliver Florent, who I don't think is realistically a chance to go before our first pick. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: but in fact, if that if he's our prime, like if he's our, our top priority recruit, then I'm, I don't know. I'm not so, I'm not so bullish on him as a lot of people are.
0: Look, it could easily be someone like Witherton, who probably oh isn't going to go top ten because he hasn't played all year. Um, is likely to be there at 14, but would still be a a decent pick at 14. I think it could be someone like Jared Berry, who again has probably fallen down the draft rankings a little bit this year. Um, It could be someone that no one's actually even spoken about yet, someone like Jordan Gallucci, for example. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I I still go back to Marshall. I, I still think with our forward stocks as it is, I think we... I still feel that we're going to be pretty desperate to bring in a high-quality key forward. And I think um, maybe we got some information from talking around the traps that no-one rates Marshall as a top-ten pick, um, which gave us a bit of leeway to sort of trade out of it.
2: Yeah, maybe. Um, Maybe. Maybe it's Joe Attlee.
0: (laughs) Could be. It could be, yeah. <laughs> or Brad Shear, I don't know. It Could be Pal Pepper. Like it, it, it could it literally could be, be one of about it do, it
2: twenty-five players. It does seem players. like it could be Pal
0: Pepper. Because mm. Pal Pepper definitely a... not going pick nine. Like he's not going in the top no. ten. Um, no. He's most likely going to be there at fourteen, unless um, uh, West Coast sort of snap with the pick before, um, which I guess is a, a big possibility considering he played for their reserve side this year. Um, yeah, don't know don't know. It's hard to get a
2: gut feel for it. My big footy cynicism says pal pepper um, because of the old adage that, you know, if the senior coach of the club that is drafting um, has seen you play personally and you played pretty well and you match the sort of style that they're already playing, then you rock it up the chart for that club. Um, uh, You know, the fact that pal pepper had a pretty good game when Ken Hinckley was in Perth and the fact that you know whatever his deficiencies are, he does slot straight into that Port Adelaide side because he yeah. is good at getting the ball. He is has got a good turn of pace, and he is pretty attacking.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I could see us having I could see us having decided already that he's the player we want. And particularly again going back to the stuff about Michael Regan and how we're measuring you know how much running they do even at junior level. Um, like he does not seem like a guy that sort of stands around waiting yeah. <laughs> at any point. So I, I think there's a lot of things to speak for for him. I feel he blazes away a little bit. But if, we, if, we're trying to feel, if we're trying to answer that, if we're treating that little comment about the player we thought was there at 9 will be at 14, if we're treating it like the end of year you know, Christmas puzzle, I think that Powell Pepper's probably the most likely person to fit that role.
0: Yeah, for sure. I like that. My head still says that if Marshall's there at 14, we're probably going to pick him.
2: I think so too. But I think that the one that we're saying we reckon will definitely be there is probably Power Pepper.
0: Yeah. I hope so, because I rate him. I like him. Hmm. Uh, PJ Power has asked uh, who's the player draftable outside of the top 10 who is most likely to do a 5 for danger Dangerfield and become the best player from his draft year <clears throat> it's a tough question with this, uh, with this batch of players I think because I'm, because of the evenness of the draft outside of the top I think there's a definite sort of top 6 or 7 who is pretty elite and then it drops down, and then there's a, a group of probably 20, 25 players in that same sort of batch. And it's very hard to see someone coming out of that batch to be like the best player in the league sort of thing. I, I would think the safe bet for me would be someone like Berry turning into a like a Luke Hodge type match winner across halfback, you know, just sort of controls the, the, the pace of the game and, and the way that the game's played um i think someone risky outside of the top 10 would be someone like Venables um just because of his blend of uh strength power core strength goal kicking um top speed like if he puts it together if he puts that batch of attributes together he could be something really really special but he could also be a massive flop as well i think that there's still plenty of doubt about him
2: yeah um it's hard to include Dangerfield in that because he was a pick 10 and also had the additional disadvantage yeah. with that he hadn't finished school yet. Yeah. Um, so that v- would have affected his draft position. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're looking at the reasons why Fife was maybe overlooked, um, there's also the fact that, you know, W.A. are good at hiding players sometimes. Um, that they sometimes go a bit later than they probably should because they're on their side. I don't think he was board, really
0: hidden, but... though. I, no, think, but... I think people just sort of saw this well, yeah. really skinny kid... <laughs> And, and probably didn't ex- expect him to be like a world-beating midfielder. I think many yeah. sort of just expected him to play as that sort of third toll.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say Atlee.
0: Atlee, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, last question, Zach Wild has asked, uh, what's a pass mark for this draft down the track?
2: Um, for me, the pass mark is that it... The group of players we select have a common theme and they are transformative to our side so that they give us a new aspect that was lacking in Port Adelaide model whatever number we're up to and that, you know, this, we're building the next model starting with this draft in some respects. So if it means that we what we concentrate on is specifically... Um, you know, for example, really good contested players, if we decide we're going to follow the Geelong GWS Sydney model, then okay, that's cool. If we decide that we're going to concentrate on, you know, tall midfielder types, that including flankers and also sort of bigger midfielders in the middle maybe, or something like that, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if we decided we're going to concentrate on smart midfielders, you know, the guys that are really good at thinking through the game, because we've had a bit of success with Jasper Pittard, let's be honest now. Um, if we decide to bring out, you know, pick the four, pick out the four guys who are the most thoughtful about the game, and that shows in their play and they're good team workers. Then that's another transformative thing. So for me, that I want to see, more, I don't want to see a hodgepodge of, oh, well, he was just the best available, and then we end up with like four unfocused players. If we do that, then I think we've wasted our opportunity.
0: Okay, that's good. That's a very good, <laughs> very good answer. I think we've clearly put all our eggs in this basket. Um, we need mm. to make it work. I think a pass mark. Would be if we get three one hundred gamers from this group, I'd be pretty happy. Uh, I think that would be a pass, um, but I would be hoping for more.
2: Yeah, for me, it's it's as much about intent as result um, as to how we as to how I grade this draft. Because if we this has to, we you know, we've traded our first round pick next year, so this has to be a transformative draft, particularly after two years of no first round picks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, if it's not. Then we've got big problems. If we just say, "Well, we would list for Stuart, so let's get a halfback flanker," and "Ah, oh, we need to get a key forward because we lost shorts," okay. And you know, if we're just sort of replacing and acting like the list we already had was pretty good, then we've screwed it. So that, that's my fail part. That's my fail mark.
0: <laughs> yep, no, that's good. That's very good. And that's all we've got for this evening. So uh, right. thanks for everyone for listening in. Um, yeah, thanks. thanks for all the questions on uh, the speaker chat. Um, and thank you for joining me, Portia.
2: No, no. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, two nights of podcasts in a row. I'll be glad for a night off next tomorrow.
0: <laughs> and then we'll be back on Thursday. Whee.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it's It seems kind of funny to have the busiest week of podcasts, certainly for me, um, happening in the off-season, but there you go. Yeah,
0: exactly right. <laughs> mm. Exactly right. Well, join us again on Thursday where we go through the second batch of uh, Vic Country players in, including guys like uh, Jarrah Berry and uh, Hugh cluggage as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it should be, uh, should be interesting. And uh, yeah, until then, can the Pet.
2: Carney the Atley.
0: Khan the Atleys, yes. <laughs> and Max Lynch.
2: No. Not a long kick at the ball. Think about going short. He's got Lobby inside 50. He ignores that. Keeps it low, Winger takes off, hands it up the boat, the captain sees West off he's in the
1: square, he doesn't need him, getting a little hot in here.